Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. What's up, everybody? Welcome into a live episode of Flippin' Bats. These shows are always a blast. The last Flippin' Bats episode of the week, some midweek updates, and then some really fun segments. You guys get to be a part of this one. Fan questions. There's a team of the week I'll put together right over there behind me. This set just keeps getting better and better. The design team has just crushed it. I have my very own like dugout stand here. This is incredible. And now we're rolling along, so get in some questions I know you guys have already. I'll answer those a little later. This episode is going to be a blast. Let's start with some midweek updates and talk about, first and foremost, the Kings of New York City. Who is it? Who are the Kings of New York City? For so long, it has been the New York Yankees. I am here to tell you right now that the Kings of New York City are the New York Mets. That's right, the Mets. Let's dive into this a little bit. Let's talk about these two teams. First off, we'll talk about that New York Mets team. This is their best start since 2018, okay? They are 10-4. and four. They're out of the gates hot. They're looking great. The energy in the crowd is great. Francisco Lindor is back. This start has been great. As of yesterday, let's run through this. Pitching-wise, Second-best team ERA. First in strikeouts with 124 strikeouts. Second in whip. A whip below one. A one whip means less than one guy is getting on base per inning, whether that be a hit, a walk, whatever it may be. The pitching staff has been totally dominant. Without Jacob deGrom, might I add. Max Scherzer has been great. Chris Bassett has been great. Carrasco has been great. The entire pitching staff has looked phenomenal. Max Scherzer, 3-0 with a 2.5 ERA in 18 innings pitch. Listen to this. Dating back to last season, Scherzer has now gone 22 straight regular season starts without a loss. That is wild. That's incredible. Tyler McGill has stepped up and been fantastic. Chris Bassett. Carlos Carrasco, who just pitched a few hours ago, has been great. He has totally revamped himself. He got 19 swings and misses today. 19, which is the most since his last start, when he had 17, which was the most since his first start. Every start this year, he is getting the most swings and misses he has ever had. He's figured it out. The rotation in New York is fantastic. Offensively, Francisco Lindor. We all knew the shortstop he was when he came over to the Mets. He was one of the best in baseball. He really struggled last year. He was not himself. I 
wholeheartedly thought he was going to turn it around and be great this year. And so far, he is out of the gates hot. Four bombs already. Last year, he had 230, a 322 on base percentage, 412 slugging. So far this season, he's batting 308, a 419 on base percentage with a 615 slugging percentage. That's just a total shift. The New York Mets are here, and they are here to stay. If you're not watching their games, do it. They're fun. They're exciting. The crowd is into it. And then I look at the other side of town. The New York Yankees, the Bronx Bombers, the biggest and baddest team in the land. Well, just a couple of hours ago, they're coming off a loss to the Detroit Tigers where they were shut out, didn't score a run, intentionally walked Miguel Cabrera, by the way, in the final inning, one hit away from 3,000. I got a bone to pick there. But I think we have a fan question about that later. So I will save it. That, that wasn't great. Nothing on this team has been fun to watch. The Yankees, who are supposed to put up runs in bunches, offensively, have been in shambles. Look at this. They rank 26th in runs per game. The New York Yankees, of 30 teams, as of yesterday, ranked 26th in runs per game. That's as of yesterday. I promise you it didn't get better. Because what they do today, they scored zero runs. There's no way it got better. It only got worse. 19th in team batting average. Fourth most runners left on base. And listen to this. They are one of six teams in Major League Baseball that has been shut out two or more times already. Add another one onto that today. This Yankees team has big issues. And it starts with that offense. The pitching has largely been pretty good except for the guy that they're paying more than any other pitcher on the planet, Garrett Cole, who threw an inning and two-thirds against the Tigers yesterday. Couldn't get through two innings. Not pretty. He now has a 6.35 ERA. Doesn't have a win in three starts. I, I don't know where to go with this Yankees team. If, if you're the Yankees, I, I don't exactly know what you do. The stats are, are awful. You're the New York Yankees. You're supposed to put up runs in bunches. You're supposed to outslug everybody. When they aren't outslugging, they're just not going to be very good. And that's where we are right now. They're just not very good. So I am here to say right now that the Mets are the kings of New York City. I got producer Conrad out here. He's, he's waving his hand. What do you got over there, Conrad? Hey, Ben, I, I mean, the big question, I think, is what does this Yankees team need to really get going? They need their guys to play like guys. They need Aaron Judge to be Aaron Judge. They need Joey Gallo to not hit 100 and strike out three times a game. Joey Gallo is supposed to be one of the biggest feared sluggers on the planet. He has zero home runs and zero RBIs. Zero. You need your guys to be guys. And, and when I think of the guys on the New York Yankees, I think of Aaron Judge. I think of Garrett Cole. Those are the, those are the two. Those are the main two. And, and then you could go on to Joey Gallo, Giancarlo Stanton. You need those guys to step up. But Garrett Cole certainly hasn't been good. Aaron Judge certainly hasn't been Aaron Judge-like. And Joey Gallo has been just bad, to be honest with you. Look at this tweet. Joey Gallo on not being in the Yankees lineup for the second time in the last three games. I'm not playing well enough right now to be in the starting lineup every day. 
I mean, it's just not pretty. So I don't, I, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I don't know what you do. Like, there's only but so much Aaron Boone can do. You, you put the lineup out there that you have. You have all the stars in the world. They're just not producing. So I, I don't know. Yeah, that was actually going to be my other point is let's take a step deeper when it comes to the managerial side of things. Uh, Buck Showalter kind of had a little bit of angst coming into the season. People didn't know if he was the right fit for the Mets. They look like they're having a ton of fun. And the Yankees look like they're having zero fun under Aaron Boone for another season. Yeah, absolutely. Buck Showalter has transformed. Obviously, the team transformed. Um, Steve Cohen came in and just brought a bunch of new guys in, and their team is awesome. But Buck Showalter was the perfect fit there. And he seems like he's come in and these guys have just totally embraced him. And then on the other side of town with Aaron Boone, I don't, you've been hearing about him being on the hot seat for years now. And then they come out of the gates like this. Like I said, you can't blame the manager for Aaron Judge not being himself. You can't blame the manager for Garrett Cole having a six-plus ERA three starts into the year. You can't blame him for Joey Gallo punching out three times a game. But at some point, like... You got to do something. And I'm not blaming this start on him. But I, I thought there should have been a shift there made at the, end of, uh, at the end of last year. You're the New York Yankees. You haven't won a championship in over a decade. That's unacceptable for New York. That's unacceptable for the Yankees. So right now, the New York Mets, they're the kings of New York. They are the kings of New York City. This team is real. They're the first team in baseball to 10 wins. They are having fun doing it. They are an elite team in the game of baseball. Got to recognize it. They're a great team, and they just beat a great Giants team in an awesome series in Queens. Good stuff there from the Mets. Next up, I want to talk about a team that nobody is talking about, and they're not doing it enough, the Colorado Rockies. What a start they have had. They have been phenomenal to start the year. They have been a lot of fun to watch. I tweeted this the other day. It's time we acknowledge what the Rockies are doing. They are killing it and have been so much fun to watch. Credit where credit is due. Players on the Rockies like that tweet. The Rockies themselves like that tweet. This team deserves credit. I hear you. They were the laughing stock of the league when they gave away Nolan Arenado when they didn't put in, uh, when they didn't get a qualifying offer in return for Trevor Story, when they just let guys go. But they're doing it right now. There has been a shift. There has been a change in that front office. And credit where credit is due. They're doing it right. They signed Chris Bryant. They lock up a guy for the future. Chris Bryant has been fantastic for, for them to this point hitting 359 through his first 11 games. He's been great. But this is about a shift in the culture for the Rockies. This is about management saying, you know what, we might not have done everything right in the past, but we're going to start clean. We're going to bring in a guy for the future in Chris Bryant. We're going to bring back C.J. Crone, who's leading baseball in home runs, by the way, with six. He's killing it, hitting over 350. They, rack up, they wrap up Ryan McMahon to an extension. They extend Freeland. They have shown now that they are willing to do what it's going to take to win. Are they going to win the World Series this year? I don't think so. And I'm not here to say that they are going to win the World Series. I'm saying that there is credit where credit is due. They are good. They are fun to watch. 
I tweeted that out and responses from people ranged from, well, it's early. Check back at the All-Star break. I don't care what's happening at the All-Star break. They deserve credit for what they're doing right now. They're a lot of fun to watch. A lot of fun. This is their second best start in franchise history through 11 games. Through their first 11 games, it was the second best start in franchise history. 2011 being the best start. They were 9-2. and two. This year's Rockies team was 8-3. and three. So, look, I will sit here all day, every day, and talk about any team that deserves it. And the Rockies deserve it. That fan base deserves it. They deserve a good team. And they have a front office that is clearly focused on doing things right moving forward. And the Colorado Rockies are doing that. Kudos to them. Hats off to them. They're a lot of fun to watch. And just baseball at Coors Field is fun to watch. Ball's blasting all over the yard. Good stuff there in Colorado. Next up in my last midweek update for you, who else? Shohei Otani. Absolutely incredible. I know every Monday I have my This Week in Otani news segment. I have to talk about him. I have to talk about what happened last night against the Houston Astros when Shohei Otani was on the mound and when he was at the plate. Let's start from the beginning of the game. First inning of this game. Shohei leads off, which I will never get over that and never stop making a big deal of. He's pitching and leading off. Leads off the game with a walk. Okay. He gets up again in the first inning. They bat around. Shohei Otani comes back up with the bases loaded, doubles off the left field wall, two runs score, two RBIs, two at-bats in the first inning. An absolutely incredible and historical first inning. First starting pitcher since 1900 with two at-bats before he throws the first pitch of the game. First in history. Incredible. How many, how many stats do I sit here every single week and say, this guy is making history? He's changing the game of baseball. Another historical record made. Then he goes out on the mound. Let me talk about Shohei on the mound yesterday. It was one of the most dominant starts that I have ever seen. He was throwing stuff that should be illegal for a batter to face. I mean, seriously, his slider was moving like a, like a frisbee, like a disc, if you will. His splitter was disgusting. His fastball was 99 miles an hour. He was throwing more sliders than he ever has. Dusty Baker, after the game, said, yeah, you know, we just there wasn't much we could do. His slider was on. He changed his game plan on us. Joe Madden, his manager after the game, said, yeah, I, don't, I just kind of let him go. It was, un, it was unbelievable. His start ended up six innings. He was perfect through five innings. I think he's perfect always. But he was perfect in the game through five innings. Gave up a hit in the sixth. Punched out 12 guys. Gave up one hit. No runs. I'm not kidding. I, I was watching this game amazed at what he was doing, amazed at the stuff he was throwing. 
It was dominant. He only ends up going six innings, but those six innings were incredible. He ended up getting another hit, tacked on another hit. He was in the midst of a perfect game and comes up to the plate and lays down a bunt single. Are you kidding me with this? It's incredible. I sat here last week. Actually, it was earlier this week. In, in Otani News, he hits his three home runs. I proclaim that the MVP is back. I told you he was going to come back, and then I talked about his pitching. And I said, if I know Shohei Otani like I do, he's going to be dominant on the mound. He's going to come back and be dominant. He's not going to be satisfied with his last outing. He's going to put in the effort that it takes, and he's going to come back and be great. I don't even know if I could have imagined this. He was perfect through five. Might I add, anybody out there that doesn't know baseball etiquette, don't talk about a perfect game while it's happening. Just don't do it. I understand if you're an Astros fan and you're in the stadium or you want it to end, that's one thing. But look, I'm the most superstitious person on the planet. The baseball gods are real. Don't talk about it. And Shohei had that going for him. Absolutely incredible stuff. Incredible. Yeah, man, we were both watching that game last night. And uh, the first question I think I had to you after the no-no perfect game got broken up was, is this even his best game he's ever had? Yeah, you know, and it immediately came to mind, no, I don't think it is which is incredible to even say. But I look back on his start last year in Detroit, where he went eight innings on the mound, eight innings, gave up one run, and hit his 40th home run of the year that game. To me, going deep in the game matters. He got eight innings last year. He, he threw six innings last night, and it was incredible. It was almost perfect six innings. But I can't sit there and tell you that it was his best game. And they asked Shohei about that, and he said, it just might be my best game. But I, I truly think that start in Detroit last year was even more impressive, which begs the question of what is the ceiling for Shohei Otani? We don't know. We've never seen it. I think the ceiling for a start on, as a pitcher is a perfect game. We've seen that 23 times in history. I don't know, the ceiling for a hitter in a game is probably four for four, four bombs or hitting for the cycle, whatever. But there, what's the ceiling for Shohei Otani? He's banging doubles off the wall, driving in two, throwing a perfect game through five innings, and I'm sitting here telling you that I don't think it was his best game ever. I think it was last year when he hit his 40th home run of the year and threw eight innings of one-run ball. I don't know his ceiling. And that's what makes this game so special. That's what makes Shohei so special. Is what is his ceiling? He's breaking records every single night. Every night, I see a stat that says, first time in history that Shohei has done this. First time since Oil Cam Boyd back in the day that this has happened. It's like, what, what's the ceiling? I don't know. I don't know. But I'm excited to see. I'm excited to find out what the future holds for Shohei. That start, that game yesterday was incredible. I was on the edge of my seat for the entire time he was on the mound. It was incredible. What a night. What a night. Those are the midweek updates. Um, 
Let's move on to some series to watch. Series to watch, Conrad, coming up. And uh, that's what I like to do with this show. That's, what, that's why this, this last show of the week is so fun to do, because it's kind of a preview of what's to come. Yes, we can do a midweek update, but we can also preview what's to come, do my team of the week that we'll get here soon, do some fan questions. So that's going to be it's going to be a blast throughout the year. But let's get to some series to watch this weekend. Yeah, Ben, the first series to watch, uh, ALDS 2021 rematch, Red Sox at Rays. Yeah, I think the Red Sox and the Rays this weekend is it's going to tell us a lot about the AL East. You know, we have all these teams that the AL East is supposed to be the best division in baseball. We know what the Blue Jays are. They're good. We don't really know what the Yankees are. Just talked about them for a while. We don't really know what the Red Sox and the Rays are. So now we get an ALDS rematch this weekend. I'm excited for that. I'm looking forward to that series. Uh, the Rays continue to be one of the best teams in baseball despite not having one of the best rosters or paying guys a lot of money. So. Can they continue to do that this year? I don't know, but this is just a good interdivision battle that I'm looking forward to seeing. Um, another one for me, another series to watch. Blue Jays at Astros. I just talked about the Blue Jays. We know what they are. They're great. I also know what this Astros team is. They are great. But so far to this point, they haven't played that way. I promise you this. And this is why I'm a big believer in the Houston Astros. They turn it on when they need to. They show up. They rise to the occasion. They rise to the biggest games. This is a big series. You get the Blue Jays coming in, who everybody, a lot of people are picking to win the American League, to win the World Series. The Astros know that. They know this team is being talked about. So now you get them coming to your home when you're not playing great baseball that's going to be a fun series to watch. The star power out there. Vladdy Jr., Alex Bregman. Uh, the, it goes on. Kyle Tucker. Unbelievable. The star power is ridiculous there. Let's get your uh, official prediction for tomorrow night. Your brother's on the mound. Tomorrow. How's he going to do? Good point. I was naming star power that's going to be on the field and just, you know, forgot Justin. But sorry, Justin. You're a star. You're a star in my eyes and you're a star to everyone. Um, he pitches tomorrow night coming off a fantastic outing of eight innings, no runs, three hits, dominant. I'm so excited to watch him tomorrow night. I, I think he just continues to do well. I'm not going to sit here and predict his, his final line because if I, I'm never going to predict that he's going to give up a run. I don't want him to. I don't ever think he will, and he never thinks he will. It's that mindset that you just have to have. But this Blue Jays offense is perhaps the best in all of baseball. So you're getting one of the best pitchers in baseball right now against one of the best offenses in baseball. This series to watch is certainly one to keep an eye on for all of the games. But if you want to find one game, make it the Friday night game. Make it the game tomorrow night. Justin against the Blue Jays offense. Incredible. I'm pumped for that one. I will be a nervous wreck. I promise you that. Has there been another starting pitcher that's had a harder three starts than what your brother will have? Having to play against the Angels, then playing at the Mariners, and then good luck. 
you got the Blue Jays, your third outing of the year. Welcome back, Justin. I see you throwing in a little love for your Mariners team. Are we throwing them in that conversation already? Pretty like good, this? dude. Pretty good. <laughs> you know, yeah. Like, when can we get when can we get an easier start? The dude, Justin, comes back from TJ. He's missed almost two years, and these are his first three starts. But you're right. It, it, it doesn't get easier. The Angels have one of the best top of the lineups that that you could have, possibly. Shohei, Rendon, Trout. You kidding me? One run that night. And then the Mariners. No runs. And now the Blue Jays. Man, we gotta, we gotta, we gotta mix in some some easier teams in there. Unbelievable. Next up for me in series to watch, the Dodgers at the Padres. A blossoming rivalry in Major League Baseball. One Dodgers, of the best. Padres. Seriously. I mean, last year, this this series, even though the Padres faltered down the stretch, crumbled. I mean, it all crashed and burned down the stretch. But this rivalry proved to be one of the best in baseball. I hear you, Red Sox, Yankees. I'm telling you, Dodgers-Padres last year was incredible. Tatis last year in this matchup was on another planet. He's obviously not back yet. But the rivalry is real. The, the energy, the passion, the emotion, you can feel it in these games. It's going to be wild in San Diego. I mean, it's going to be nuts. So keep an eye on that series. Um, it's going to be a blast to watch for sure. I mean, we know the Dodgers have a very stacked lineup, but is anyone in baseball playing better than Manny Machado? <sighs> That's tough, you know, and maybe or maybe not. We'll talk about that in a little bit with, the team of the week. Is he going to make it this week? I don't know, but there aren't a lot of people that are hotter than him. That's for sure. And Dodgers fans certainly don't love that. I was at some of these games last year, Padres, Dodgers, in, in LA. They hate Manny Machado. I mean, hate. So this series is, there's so much to watch for so many reasons. Yes, the rivalry is blossoming. It's becoming great. Dodgers fans hate Manny Machado. The it's just all around going to be a great series. I'm I'm really excited to watch it. The pitching staff of the Padres has been great, but now you're going up against the Dodgers lineup that is historically great. Now we'll get to see who's who's the real deal. We know the Dodgers are the real deal. What this series is going to tell us is are the Padres the real deal? Without Fernando Tatis, can the Padres be the real deal? I don't know, but some great series. I'm excited to watch. This, this weekend's going to be a great, a great weekend for baseball. Let's move on to another, uh, a new segment we have this year, a fun one, buy or sell, where producer Conrad will throw me some, some options, and I'm either going to buy them or I'm going to sell them. Producer Conrad, let's do it. All right, this one, this one is pretty easy to find out. The Dodgers fans booing Kenley Jansen, buy or sell. Yeah, I'm selling that. Are you kidding me? You have Kenley Jansen, one of the greatest closers that of this generation, certainly an all-time Dodger great. He comes in for his first save as an Atlanta Brave against the Dodgers. And, I mean, he is met with thunderous boos. Loud. I'm out on that, man. I'm out. When you have somebody that does something for so long, for 10 plus years for your organization and gives his all, I'm out on, on his first time back 
booing him. You think Freddie Freeman's going to go back and play in Atlanta and they're going to boo him? No. Standing ovations, emotions, tears, that's what you're going to get in Atlanta. I am out. I, I'm, I am glad you asked that one. Sell. That was ridiculous. All right. Buyers sell. Luke Voigt slide being dirty. Yeah. Um, so Luke Voigt slid into home plate the other night against the Reds in San Diego and took out the catcher. And um, I, am, I am selling that this was dirty. Absolutely. And to have uh, Tommy Pham came out afterwards and said, if he wants to fight, I'm going to fight, essentially. In a nutshell, those are his words. Look, this wasn't dirty at all. What happens when you're running the bases, when you're tagging up from third, when you're coming home, you have to make a decision on where you are sliding. He made that decision to go towards the outside of the plate. Now, we have a new segment that we do on Mondays called Ben's Breakdown. I think this would be a good one to do. So we can dive deeper into this on Monday, and I can explain it right over here and visibly show you. But you have to pick a side of the plate. He sees where the throw is going. It takes him, it takes the catcher right to that side of the plate. He has to last second shift sides of the plate. It wasn't able to happen. He unfortunately ran into the catcher. Stevenson gets hurt. It was unfortunate, but absolutely selling that this was even remotely a dirty play. Sell. A little dirty. All right. Well, yeah, right. <laughs> Buyers sell. Miggy reaches 3,000 hits this weekend. Ooh. This weekend, they have the Royals. I'm buying. I'm buying some of Miguel Cabrera's stock. Look, I, I love Miggy. I love the, the crowd. I love how much they're getting into it. He's now had one full game where he had an opportunity to get it done, and he didn't today because he was intentionally walked in his last at bat, but didn't get it done today. Got three hits in yesterday's game. He's sitting at 2,999 hits. Bye. Miguel Cabrera gets it done in the weekend series against the Royals. All right. Buy or sell. The New York Mets finishing this weekend with the best record in baseball. Ooh. Ooh. Look, I'm going to buy. They're the first team to double-digit wins. I'm, an, I'm a buyer of this New York Mets team. I'm a believer in what they're doing. I'm a believer in the pitching staff. I'm a believer in Buck Showalter. I'm a believer in the energy that they're bringing to games. Lindor is back. I'm going to buy that. I like that one. All right, next up, buy or sell. Otani will win 10-plus games this year on the mound. Oh. Woo. All right. So let me, let me put some thought into this one. Otani now has one win on the mound. Uh, the, the, the trouble with him is that he pitches every sixth day as opposed to every fifth day. Sounds like a sell. So the starts won't be there. But with what I saw last night and what he has clearly figured out with his slider, he's going to get enough starts. I, I truly believe he will be able to get there. And I said before the year that I think he can get to the 10-week mark and nothing, the 10-win mark. Nothing has happened 
to this point to make me second guess that. The first two starts, one was really good. He didn't get the win. One wasn't great. And then his third one was almost perfect and gets the win. I'm going to buy that Shohei gets to 10 wins. All right, that's a big buy from you. Last but not least, buy or sell, the Phillies will miss the playoffs. Oh, <sighs> this just comes down to, this comes down to logistics and numbers. And look, we have one of the best cameramen in the business right behind this camera right here. He's a Philly guy. He just shot me the dirtiest look in the world, making sure I answer this correctly. But, you know, I had them in the playoffs at the beginning of the year. I, I think I'm going to sell this. I think I'm going to sell. It has been a struggle out of the gates, and I think maybe the Giants, I think the San Francisco Giants or the Padres have played above what I thought. So I think two teams make it from the NL East. I think the Braves and I think the Mets will make the playoffs. And I think that third spot is going to be from the NL West. I think the Padres or I think the Giants will take up that last spot. So I'm going to do it. I'm going to, I'm going to sell to this point the Phillies making the playoffs. Hmm, that's a tough one. All right, next segment we got. Pick to click. This is a new segment we started last week where every week I'm going to pick something. We're going to keep a record throughout the year. I'm going to pick something and predict that it will happen. And we'll go from there. Last week's pick to click. Shohei Otani will hit his first home run of the year and get his first win on the mound of the year. And I am here to announce that I am 1-0 on the year, which is perfect. A, a little lucky. Ex explain. Explain how that's a little lucky, please. Yeah, I mean, you got two starts with Otani. The first one didn't look great, but, I mean, you did call that he came back last night. I mean, plus three bombs. It is great, but a little, okay, a little ask, lucky. Let me ask you this. Is it lucky if I made that prediction knowing he would get two starts in the week? That's literally why I made it. I knew he'd hit a home run. I didn't want to put all my eggs in one start, but I knew I had a chance to get two starts from Shohei in the week. And that's what he did. It came down to last night. He was dominant, got the win. Boom. Great prediction, Ben. Now I'm having to hear producer Conrad say I was lucky. Unbelievable. Not lucky. 1-0 on the year. Next pick to click. Jesse Winker of the Seattle Mariners will hit his first home run of the year for the Seattle Mariners. Now, Jesse Winker from the Cincinnati Reds last year, if he was playing back in Cincinnati, would already have three, four, five home runs this year. He has flown out to the warning track more times than anybody should ever have to endure. I mean, it's been ridiculous. Here's my pick to click for week two. Jesse Winker hits his first home run as a Seattle Mariner. I like it. I feel good about that. I think I'm going to go 2-0. But we will check back. We will check back when I am 2-0. And producer Conrad can tell me how I got lucky when it comes to Jesse Winker hitting a home run. But I'm sure, I'm sure you like that one. You're a Mariners fan. I mean, I would love it. After hitting into a triple play last night and then uh, just all these bombs that are just short. Have you noticed that this season too, by the way? A lot of bombs are coming up just short. A lot of announcers are having a hard time gauging, gauging these fly balls. Yeah, true. 
Jesse Winker's got all the pop in the world, though. I believe in him. First one of the year. I'm 1-0. Now we got to go 2-0. All right, next up, another fun segment we got for you. It is time for my team of the week, where every week I pick a player at each position that is that has been the best of that week, like a fantasy team from the week, if you will. So let's do this week's team of the week and go position by position, and we're going to start with my catcher, Zach Collins of now the Toronto Blue Jays. Off to an amazing start. Two bombs, batting 533 on the week. Now, these stats are from the week, which is seven days last time I checked, and that's what we're basing it off of. Obviously, this isn't a full-season thing. It's a way for me to highlight players every single week that might not be talked about. This week's catcher for the team of the week, Zach Collins. Now let's head on over my first baseman of the week, C.J. Krohn. I talked about him off the top of the show. Leading the league in home runs, he has six bombs already. He hit 357 on the week with four home runs this past week. Woo! Oh, unbelievable. I'm a buyer of C.J. Krohn. I, I love him. I love what he's doing. I love what the Rockies are doing. C.J. Krohn, first appearance. All these guys, first appearance on my team of the week. Let's head on over to second base. Ozzy Albies, the Atlanta Braves. Four bombs on the week. Four. Man, a bunch of pop out of this guy. He came out of the gates swinging the bat. He's not known as a big big-time power guy. But four bombs on the week, slugging 613, that's enough to get you on my team of the week. Now, from second base, heading on over to third base, there he is, Manny Machado. I mean, this is, this is impressive, the tear he's on. Three bombs this week, batted 481 over the course of the last week. 481. Are you kidding me? This guy's stepping up. The Padres needed somebody to step up with Fernando Tatis being out of the lineup. Where are you going to pick up that extra, that extra oomph in your lineup? Yeah, you knew you needed to count on Manny Machado, but he's gone above and beyond. Three bombs on the week, 481. That gets you certainly on my team of the week. Moving on over to shortstop. My shortstop for this week's team of the week, Francisco Lindor. He's so back. He's so back, and it makes me so happy. This guy is an incredible player. He's a great human being. He struggled last year, his first year back in New York. It was tough to watch. It really was. But I knew he was a better player than that. And he's come out this week. He was awesome. Two bombs, batted 304, bomb from both sides of the plate, hit another one today, actually. So those stats are even more updated. Lindor is back. Next up, let's move on to the outfield. Jordan Alvarez. Jordan was sick, by the way, for a while. Was out of the lineup. Comes back his first game back in the lineup. Hits two home runs. Two home runs. One was a towering home run. So this Houston Astros team needs Jordan. They need him back. They need him to dominate. He came back. And with emphatic fashion two homers in his first game back that's enough to get him 
on the team of the week. Next up in the outfield, Patrick Wisdom of the Chicago Cubs. Two homers, 421 on the week. Hey, don't sleep now on the Chicago Cubs. I don't, look, I don't think they'll win the division. But, hey, they're off to a much hotter start than everybody thought they would be. And a big part of that is Seiya Suzuki, who was on the first, the first ever team of the week. Now another Cub on here, Patrick Wisdom. My last outfielder on the team of the week is Alex Verdugo. Boston Red Sox, two homers on the week, batted 350. Just a really good week. Two bombs, 350. Good stuff. He rounds out the outfield on this week's team of the week. Patrick Wisdom, Alex Verdugo, Jordan Alvarez. My DH on the team of the week, Shohei Otani. Three home runs. Hit 300 on the week. Nine RBIs. I sat here last week and proclaimed that Shohei would be back. Just give it a second. Well, he hit three home runs, two in a game after I tweeted my lucky photo. It was time. It worked. The very next pitch, he hit a homer. He hit two that game. He hit another one. 309 RBIs on the week. This was a no-brainer. Shohei Otani, my DH of the week. And on the mound, the pitcher on the team of the week, my brother, Justin Verlander. What a start. 1-0 against the Seattle Mariners. Eight strikeouts, three hits, and no runs. No walks. Incredible. What a start. What an outing. It was an emotional outing for me and my family. He's back after two years. Threw great in his opener. And then that last start against the Mariners. Incredible. Absolutely incredible. So that rounds out my team of the week for the second week. I don't think we don't have any repeats yet. That's why I love doing this. That's why I love doing this. We're going to head back on over here now, answer some fan questions. I love this show. It's a fun, interactive show. And I like doing these because it gives everybody a chance to be involved. And that includes fan questions. Every week, we will tweet out before the episode starts. Get in some questions. We'll answer them. We'll answer them on the show. And you can be in our big, beautiful wall that we have right here. And let's start with the first question. All right, first up, we have Steph. Do you think Miguel Cabrera needs to be mentioned more as one of the all-time greatest hitters in MLB history? He has 500 home runs, 300 batting average, 500 slugging, two MVPs, and of course, almost at 3,000 hits. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. And I will go much deeper in on this on Monday when presumably Miguel Cabrera officially gets that 3,000th hit. I will do a whole big segment on him. You are right. He is about to do something that has only been done six times in history before. 3,000 hits, 500 home runs. If you add on top of that his career batting average being over 300, that really narrows the list. He would be the third ever sporting the highest batting average of all of them. 
meaning he's in a class of his own. 3,000 hits, 500 homers, a batting average over 305. It's only Miguel Cabrera. We need to talk about him more. I'm with you. Everybody should be making a massive, massive deal about this. Really good question. Thank you for asking. Next oh, up. From next up. Lamb Chop. Oh, I like that. I like that. Lamb Chop. What do you think the MLB needs to do to grow baseball slash modernize it? Great question. And I think we are in a baseball is in a great place. And things are starting to happen that have needed to happen. Players are showing their personalities. They're showing emotion. They're not holding back. It's not, oh, well, we can't show up the other team. No, look at these young guys coming up and, and playing baseball with so much energy and passion. Fernando Tatis comes to mind. Tim Anderson comes to mind. Ronald Acuna. The names go on. That's a big part of it. I do think these rule changes that are coming next year will help. Look, I love this game of baseball. I also can acknowledge that the game and every game needs to evolve with the time. Baseball can lag a little behind when it comes to changes. Finally, this year, we got umpire announcements in stadiums, on the microphone. That has been fantastic. Next year, we're going to get a pitch clock. We're going to get a shift change. All of those things, I think, can help. Time will tell, but I'm fine changing the game for the better. That will help. And I, I think wholeheartedly, and I don't know what we do about this. I'm not the one to fix it. But I wish something could be done about blackouts. I know um, I was looking into this earlier. The state of Iowa, if you live in a certain part, you could potentially be blacked out from six different teams, from six different markets. You can't even watch them play. I think to grow the game of baseball, you need to allow the people in that city to be able to watch the team. I don't know how we do it. I know it's much more complicated than just ending blackouts. There's a lot more that goes into it. But I just wish there was something that can be done about that going forward. I really think that could help grow the game. Great question. All right, next up. What do the Yankees do with Joey Gallo? Woo! That's a tough one. Joey Gallo is currently hitting around 100 has no homers, no RBIs. You're <laughs> you're paying him a lot. Well, you acquired him for prospects that so that were good, so you need him to produce. You got to put him out there. You have to. Um, you can't just like bench. They have benched him for a couple of days, but eventually you have to you have to have him in the lineup. You have to produce. I don't know. It's an interesting situation. But it's going to get to a point where you have to play him. He's had his off days in a row now. You have to play him. But if, it, if he doesn't produce, it's going to get to the point where those prospects are gone and it was all a waste. And you're lacking major production in your lineup. And you can't play him. He, he, batting around 100, batting 150 with zero home runs and zero RBIs is, is not – you can't have that in the New York Yankees lineup. I like Joey Gallo. I think when he is hot, he is one of the most exciting players in baseball to watch. He hit three bombs in a game. He'll hit them all 500 feet. But he just hasn't gotten, he hasn't gone on that tear for the Yankees. And they need him to. So it's going to get to a point where the Yankees have to sit him. And that will all be a waste. All those prospects you trade, 
It'll all be for a waste. I hope it doesn't get to that. Next question. All right, next question is coming from Michael. Is Oakland being even a 500 team bad for Oakland fans? Yes, fun in the moment, but gives ownership more ammo to continue selling off best players when the team outperforms its expectations. I have a lot to say about what's happening out in Oakland. And um, I am going to go way deeper in on this on on Monday when I round the bases at the top of the show and, and talk about some major storylines. Um, Oakland fans deserve way better. And yeah, you know, it just speaks volumes to that team, that roster. It seems like no matter what they have on paper, the Oakland A's will just win ballgames. I don't know how they do it. It just seems like that is always the case. Um, but their fans deserve better. They really do. You know, coming into this year, the Oakland A's traded off everybody. A fire sale. All of their roster, gone. And the Oakland A's, in return, almost doubled the cost of season tickets. And then, to all of those season ticket holders, sent them a poor quality Matt Olson shirt or jersey. Matt Olson's not even on the team anymore. I don't, I don't like what's going on out in Oakland. I think it's cool that they're still able to win games with the team that they have. Um, but it's frustrating. And those fans deserve so much better than the way they are being treated. But like I said, I will go way more into this on Monday. I have a lot to say. But that is a good question. Thank you for asking. All right, next up, this is a really good one. Who would you prefer to have on your team? A. Triple Crown Miguel Cabrera, B, 2021 pitcher slash batter Shohei Otani, or C, 2003 Albert Pujols? Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. What a fantastic question. So let's look at it this way. Who would you rather have on your team? Triple Crown Miguel Cabrera. Now, that th this is one year we're talking. One year. Miguel Cabrera. 2021 pitcher and hitter Shohei Otani or 2003 Albert Pujols. Oh my God, I don't. This is this is gonna make me cry. I don't know what to say here. Okay, so let's look at this from an out. I'm gonna cancel out. This could even be the right answer. I'm gonna I'm gonna take 2003 Albert Pujols out of it. One, this is just my own. This is I am Shohei's number one fan, and I am also up there with Miggy, and I have a lot of life experiences with Miggy, and he's meant a lot to me in my life. So, and he's also, he can't be the wrong answer. So you have triple crown Miguel Cabrera and last year's Shohei Otani who pitched and hit. You know what? I am going to go, even, even still in this moment, I'm going back and forth in my head. I'm going to take Miguel Cabrera. And I'm going to do that for this reason. That year was unlike anything that I have that I have ever seen, as was Shohei's last year. But in terms of what he did that year, it was incredible to watch. The stadium in Detroit was packed every single night to watch him play. 
he he was a guaranteed hit every time up to the plate. And the only reason I'm answering this is because of recency bias. What Miguel Cabrera is doing right now in Detroit, about to become the all, you know, 3,000 hits. I just went through all of that. There's some recency bias here. I am obviously Shohei's biggest fan on the planet. But I'm going to take that year's triple crown. It was incredible. Miguel Cabrera, for who would I prefer to have on my team? Man, that was tough, though. That's tough. They both they both are, like, so important to me in my life. You know, that's a tough one. I totally get it. Yeah. It's not easy to make you choose one or the other. But we have one last final question from Stacy. Do you agree with the Yankees' decision to intentionally walk Miggy when he was just one hit away from 3,000? No. I, I don't like it one bit. Let me talk about this for a second. Great question. Fantastic question, Stacy. Let me talk about it. The New York Yankees intentionally walked Miguel Cabrera sitting on 2,999 hits in the last at-bat of the game. In his last at-bat. Now, I hear you. It made total sense in the moment for the Yankees to do it. Game-wise, I understand. I get it. That doesn't mean I have to like it. That doesn't even mean I have to agree with it. I can sit here and say, you know what, for the game, it was probably the right decision. (laughs) But I don't have to agree with it. I hate it. You have all those fans there to watch it happen. You have a big moment. He hasn't gotten a hit in the game. Let Pitch to him. Oh, I was furious. I was fuming. I haven't heard fans boo that loud in Detroit since Armando Galarraga's perfect game back in the day when Jim Joyce missed that call at first base. Man, it was bad. It was loud. I'm with them. I don't have to agree with it. I wish it didn't happen. I do understand it. But if you, for any second, do not believe in baseball gods, one, you're wrong. It is a real thing. I promise you. But two, you have to now. Miguel Cabrera gets intentionally walked on the doorstep of 3,000 hits and making history. And the very next batter hit a bloop hit with the bases loaded, scoring two runs. It had an expected batting average of 170. But it drops in. It's in the perfect spot. Two runs score. Baseball gods prevail. Karma at its best. Should have pitched to him. Great question. I love these. I love fan questions. Thank you uh, to everybody that asked. And thank you to everybody that has listened. This has been another episode, a live episode of Flippin' Bats Pod. Thank you guys for listening. Make sure you like, subscribe, wherever you listen to your podcast. Apple, Spotify, wherever that may be. We also have social media, at Flippin' Bats Pod on Twitter, on Instagram. Every single episode that I do, you can watch the video format of that on YouTube. Check all of those out. I really appreciate you guys listening. I will see you. I will be back on Monday. I will see you next time. Peace.